All right, Titus chapter 3. We are continuing our um, series on salvation and all the elements that are involved in salvation. Um, so we're going to look today at uh, a, a new element. And I was talking to Pari the other day. You know, we, we, we talked about election and predestination and foreknowledge, and there's redemption, there's justification, there's sanctification, there's glorification, there's atonement, there's adoption. So all these elements, all these things that have to do with salvation, when you really look at it, it's, it's kind of difficult, not difficult, but it's kind of interesting to try to talk about them separately because they all overlap each other, because they're all pretty much salvation. You know, and, and the whole purpose of doing this was to look at salvation more than just I came, I walked down the aisle and I said a prayer. And because of that, I'm saved, I'm good to go. But to look at all that's involved in salvation, all that's involved in the elements of it, how precious it is, and what, what's our responsibility as the body of Christ with all of that. So in looking at that, there's going to be times when we may be talking about one of the uh, topics of salvation and the other one comes in or the other one gets uh, amplified or illuminated with that. So this is one of those cases. Uh, let's pray. God, we thank you, God, again, for this opportunity to come before you, God. We thank you for the freedom we have in this country to be able to stand up and, and to meet and to gather as people gather all across uh, the world today, God, uh, to worship you, to, to look into your word. We thank you for this opportunity, God. I pray that we won't take it for granted, God. We pray for those who have to meet in secret. We pray for those who have to get together and gather uh, 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 under under the shadows, God, of persecution. Um, I pray, God, that you would strengthen them. I pray, God, that you would bless them, allow them to be able to share and study your word, God. And pray, God, that we won't take for granted the freedom that we have in this country, God, and that we would respect your word uh, and love your word and seek and hunger after your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, So today we're going to start, this is kind of an introduction, I guess, to uh, regeneration. So we talked about uh, uh, election. We talked about election being as God before the founding of the world, before the founding of time, before the creation of us or anything. God uh, 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 set out or decided or knew who was going to be saved. And we talked about the benefit of election. Uh, We talked about foreknowledge and predestination uh, and how that this salvation that we have is a plan from the beginning. It's not a shock to God. It's not something that he thought up, popped in the top of his head. But that election shows us through scripture that this plan of salvation that God put in motion before time began uh, is a well thought out plan. It's a precious plan. And it's something that secures us to let us know that if he thought about us and took care of us and had us in his mind before the creation of the world, all this little stuff that we go through right now, we need to understand that he still has us. We're still that precious to him. We're still that important to him. And Paul said in Romans 8 that uh, um, because he elected us and foreknew us and predestined us, he will also redeem us and justify us and sanctify us and glorify us one day. This is all a plan that God has, and he's going to finish that plan with us. And we thank him for that. Um, but in Titus, Paul is talking, of course, to, to, to the young man Titus, and he gets into another portion of the salvation experience, or the salvation, which is regeneration. Uh, I'll start reading in Titus 3, verse 1. Remind them, this is, again, Paul talking to Titus. And remember, he left Titus in charge of a church. 
And so he's talking to them, Titus, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you to help them out. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we, too, were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But, verse 4, but when the goodness of God and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out the Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. In this portion of scripture, Paul uses a word uh, that's not a lot used in the scripture. Uh, 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 it's only in a couple other places, but the word here, he says, he saved us, talking about God, not by the works of righteousness we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. So that word there, regeneration, uh, is what we're going to focus on, the part of salvation. And you see what it's attached to? It's attached to wash. And so what Paul does here, he sets up a scenario. He's talking to Titus. He says, hey, we used to be like this, but something happened, and now we should be like this. That's pretty much how he set it up. And so if you look at verse uh, 1, he tells us the things to do. Don't slander people. Be good. Don't fight one another. Be kind. Always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once, and he goes to a list of several things. We were foolish, we were disobedient, deceived, enslaved, living in malice, envy, hateful, detesting one another. But, and that's when we have something was interjected, something came in, something changed. The goodness of God and his love for mankind appeared through the body of Jesus Christ. And so when Christ appeared, we went from this to this. How? He saved us. Not by anything we've done. And the Bible is very clear and very strict on understanding that salvation is through God. But according to his mercy and through, how did he save us? How did he change us from this to this? Through the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So what is regeneration? Well, the word there uh, in the original text uh, um, makes of two word, comes from two words. Palin, which means back, and Genesis, which is, we know, as the beginning or the origin. Or from the beginning, just like the book Genesis. So it literally means uh, to become, to originate, birth again. Birth again, and that's where we get the term to be born again. And so uh, uh, Paul tells us that the reason we went from this to this was through the washing of regeneration. And so regeneration, when we heard the term regeneration, we're talking about the term to be born again. And that's another phrase that we use generally when we talk about salvation. Hey, have you been born again? Hey, I've been born again. And we kind of use it in a, a general sense to look at all of salvation. You know, yeah, I've been born again, I'm saved, blah, blah, blah. But when we look in the scriptures, this is specifically talking about the, an act through the washing of regeneration is how or through how we got saved or how we went from this to that. And so when we look at generation, regeneration, it's a spiritual transformation. So spiritually, I was one way, 
there was a transformation, and now I'm spiritually some, somewhere else. Okay? So it's a spiritual transformation by the Holy Spirit, and it's an instantaneous change. That's what we want to look at today. How that this regeneration is an instantaneous change from this to this. And in looking at this side, we're talking about from spiritual death to spiritual life. So in all the things that we talk about with salvation, regeneration has to do with I was spiritually dead, something happened, and now I am spiritually alive. And we're going to look at that. And, and, and this keeps happening. It's not by definition. I mean, it's not by on purpose, but it keeps happening. We're going to turn to one of our favorite books in the Bible, uh, the book of Ephesians, <laughs> chapter 2. That's why, I, that's why I've told you all Ephesians is so important. Like, it's just everything. It's the glue. It's the, it's, it's the glue. Yeah, it's, it's, everything is in there. So we're talking about regeneration. So if regeneration is an idea of a spiritual transformation from spiritually dead to spiritually alive, what does that mean? What does it mean that we were spiritually dead? Well, Paul, and and, and the entirety of Scripture is clear with this, but Paul really specifies this in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, and you were dead. There's that word. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked. According to the ways of the world. So first of all, you were dead. Why? Because you walked this way according to the world. Now, the world is the system that is against God. Okay? Run by Satan. And so Paul says that you were dead because you previously walked in the way of the world according to the ruler who exercised authority over the lower heavens. So who is that? That's the devil. So Paul says that there was a time when you walked according to the ways of the world. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. Uh, uh, we obeyed or we listened to the ruler who was Satan, uh, the spirit now working in disobedient. We, all, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. So we were spiritually dead. Okay, so before Christ we were spiritually dead. And Paul goes to an elaborate example about what that means. Uh, what's interesting is that he talks about that the wrath of God. Uh, children, uh, we, we were by nature under the wrath as the others were also. So because we were spiritually dead of our trespasses, our sins, decisions we've made, things we were doing, the lifestyle we were living, or just not being attached or associated with Christ, because of that, the wrath of God was upon us. And so not only were we spiritually dead, and I think of the concept, uh, uh, you've been to a funeral, and a funeral is I hate looking in caskets. I, I think because when I was little, my parents, they never let us look in caskets. And so anytime they had an open casket at the church, they made us sit in the back. And, 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 and th- their idea was they wanted us to remember that person as they were, not looking like, they've done, like they do now. And so I guess that's, that's carrot since I've grown. I don't like looking at dead people. So even if like everybody gets them a walk, I'll get up and walk, but I'll be like looking at the floor as I walk by. I won't even look at them. That's just, just me. But if you think about a dead person in a casket and, and the process that they go to to make this person look presentable, no matter how they died or whatever case they died, a family member will send a picture and then, you know, the, the, the funeral person, will, they will embalm them. And so they, they, they put up fluids in them so they won't stink because the body is dead. And as soon as the body dies, the body begins to decay. And with decay comes a stench that's 
terrible because it's dead. You think everybody smell a dead dog or a dead animal in the field somewhere? A dead human smells worse than that. And so you have that. And so they embalm them with this chemical so you won't smell like they're dead. And then they put makeup on their face or they put pins in their skin to kind of stretch the skin out or, or, or they put a nice clothes on them or they spray them with their special perfume or they put a suit on them and a tie and, and, and they make them look real nice. But that's just an outer appearance. That person's dead and stinking and decaying. And no matter how we dress them up or what we do or how a picture we try to put them in, that person is still dead. And what Paul says is that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And you think about it, I, I can't, I've never got into it, but the, what's the zombie show that everybody loves? Walking, Walking Dead, yeah, that show. I've seen a couple of commercials, but you think of a zombie. They're walking, they're, live, they're moving, but they're dead. And Paul says that's, that's how he describes us spiritually. We were once dead. So be, not only were we dead in our wrath, our dead in our sins, and our trespasses, but on top of being dead, the wrath of God was upon us because God's a holy God and he can't stand sin. And so we have this group of people. And it's interesting because when you think about being dead to sin, when the scripture talks about being dead to sin, that doesn't necessarily mean that we were incapable of doing good. Because I know a lot of heathen people who help old ladies cross the street. Or well, I know a lot of, you, you look at some of the uh, superhero, superheroes, some of the superstars who are obviously not saved. Or look at some of the sports, uh, sports uh, uh, folks who aren't saved, but they give to charity. Or they help out in soup kitchens. Or they maybe donate money to people. Or they go to hospitals and, you know, Minister or, or work out or, or help little kids who are sick and whatnot. So because we were dead to sin doesn't mean that we were incapable of doing good things. What dead to sin means, dead in our sins and dead spiritually means that all the good that we tried to do, or all the good that we did do, did anything to change our state. That's what that means. Bible says that all our goodness or everything we try to do good outside of God is like filthy rags. That's bloody, dirty, stinking rags. It means nothing because we were doing them in our dead state. And so the good things that we were doing were dead to sin. It's like that guy or that girl who's sitting in the casket is dead. It's all dressed up and pretty. Still dead. What God says that because we were in that state, we had to be transformed from spiritual death to spiritual life. And we can only do that with a relationship with God. And that change from spiritual death to spiritual life is what regeneration is. Turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians, a couple of books back. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Regeneration. The spiritual transformation that changed from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Titus, Paul and Titus call it the washing of regeneration. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it's again Paul talking to the church in Corinth, and he says, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Don't be deceived. No sexually immoral people, no idolaters, no adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality, no thieves, no greedy, no, no greedy people, no drunkards. No verbally abusive people or swindlers will enter the kingdom of God. They won't inherit God's kingdom. 
And so he just described characteristics of dead people. Verse 11. And some of you used to be like this. And that's what I like about Paul. He was very explicit when he talked. Some of you used to be like this, but then, but you were washed. You were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So Paul says, hey, there was a situation where you were dead and dead people, you acted like dead people. You smell like a dead person. You look like a dead person. You acted like a dead person. You move like a dead person. But you were washed. And so this washing a regeneration that then moved to sanctified and justified puts us in a new position in Christ. So this washing of regeneration, spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Um, this whole concept in the New Testament uh, jumps off in John chapter 3. And you can turn there. We won't spend a lot of time there. I won't get too specific there. But in John chapter 3, and I think we've been in that chapter a couple of times with this series on salvation. In John chapter 3, we have the familiar story of who? Nicodemus. So Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. He hung out with the Sanhedrin. He was a spiritual leader. He came to God, to Jesus by night. He, under the shadows, he sneaked up, and he was talking to God, talking to Jesus, and he asked him some things. And remember, we talked about it. He came, oh, master, teacher, you are so cool, blah, blah, blah. You're so great. Everybody see you from God. Jesus, oh, I love Jesus so much, went straight cut all that nonsense out, went straight to the issue. So in John 3, 3, Jesus said, Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, there's that concept we're talking about, regeneration, born again. Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Can he enter again to his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus said, I assure you, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless someone is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. And so here Jesus tells Nicodemus, talking about salvation, he said, listen here, the only way you can enter the kingdom of God is that you are born again, regenerated, meaning there has to be a change from this to this, spiritually dead to spiritually alive. That term born again could also be uh, translated born from above. And so we're talking about a spiritual birth that has to take place. And what I like about it, you know, Jesus, everything he says is cool. But in that portion of scripture that's in verse six, he said, whatever's born of flesh is flesh. Whatever's born of spirit is spirit. The concept is that uh, a physical conception. So all of us were born, right? Yeah, by definition, we're here, we're breathing. So all of us were born. And so a physical conception results in a physical life. I was conceived in my mama's womb, and the result of that is I'm here, I'm alive. A spiritual conception results in a spiritual life. So this is where it gets interesting. And Jesus talking to Nicodemus, he knew what Nicodemus really was looking for. He knew what Nicodemus really wanted. And so Jesus went straight to the point. You must be born again. And he tells him later, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again, unless you are born of above. He actually said, unless you are born of water and of the spirit. So we know that regeneration, this act of transforming from spiritually dead to spiritualized, is an act of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the regeneration. But Jesus 
in explaining this transformation, use something that we could relate with to help us understand, and it's birth. We know about birth. We were born. We know people who were born. Uh, we've seen a little baby. We saw a little my Sarah last night. We remember there was no my Sarah, and there is a my Sarah. And so we understand that concept. And Jesus used that to discuss what being born again was, how we have to be transformed from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And he used this concept to help us understand. Um, we have the physical life that we live in, but there's spiritual life that we also have to live in once we become regenerated. And we'll get to that a little later. Verse 6, whatever's born of flesh is flesh, whatever's born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I tell you, you must be born again. There it is again. And it says, the wind blows where it pleases, verse 8, and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from. So is with everyone's born of the spirit. So then Nicodemus asked him, you know, I don't understand this. How can this be? Jesus comes back and said, how can you be a teacher in Israel and not know these things? So what Jesus is saying is that, hey, being a teacher in Israel, this isn't a new concept. This is stuff that happened before in the Old Testament. I'm explaining it to you. The first example Jesus went, he thought talking about Moses. Verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. So everyone who believes on him will have eternal life. You remember the story. There was a plague in the land. God sent some snakes to the people and the snakes were biting the people in Israel and they were dying. People wanted to be healed. They say, OK, God, what do we need to do? Moses, God told Moses, grab one of the snakes, put him around a, 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 a pole. Actually, they made a, a bronze and snake. You put it around a pole. He lifted up. And whoever looked at the snake on the pole would be healed. The whole concept of that, what Jesus was saying was those people, they were bit by sin. If you want to look at it that way, they were dead. They were bitten by sin, this snake. And in order to, because of them being bitten by sin, because of this death that was upon them, they had got bitten, and because of that, they were dying. People were dying left and right because of that. And so because of they got bitten, because they were dying, they had to do something. Something had to change for them to go from death to life. And in that case, it was looking up at the bronzen snake that was created. But what Jesus is saying here, he used an example to say, hey, just like the snake was lifted up in the wilderness, and people had to look from that to get out of their condition of dead to life. So is the same thing with me. In order to be born again, people have to look up to me to get from that situation of dead to alive. So it wasn't a new concept. Also, in Ezekiel, turn with me there. In Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36, it really gets explicit when you're talking about that. Now, remember, in Titus chapter 3, Paul said by the washing of regeneration. Uh, we looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and Paul says, but you have been washed. So this whole concept of washing and renewing or making clean or going from this state to this state by some type of cleaning method, by some type of washing, is a concept that even in the Old Testament was there. In Ezekiel chapter 36, starting at verse 25, um, the, uh, uh, the, the prophet Ezekiel was speaking from the word of the Lord. And the Lord said, verse 25, I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and will give you a heart of flesh. 
I will place my spirit within you and watch this cause you to follow my statues and carefully observe my ordinances. So God is saying, I will sprinkle clean water on you so you will be clean. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will take your heart of stone, make it heart of flesh. And so we're talking about some type of transformation again. So a heart of stone, you think if someone has a stone heart, they're dead. To a heart of flesh, they're alive. God said, I will cleanse you and make you clean. And so this transformation, this cleansing or regeneration isn't just a new concept in the New Testament. It's a, new, it's a concept that was also talking about in the Old Testament. And it goes back to just very basic. In our state before Christ, we hated God. We were against God. We're spiritually dead because of where we are, because of Adam, because of our own choices, our own decisions that we made. We are in the state of spiritually dead. In a state of spiritually dead, nothing we can do can please God. And by that, I mean nothing that we can do is sufficient enough for God to say, you know what? That's what I'm looking for. Come on over and join my kingdom. Okay, we're spiritually dead in that case. Because of that, in order to, for us to go into the kingdom of God, there has to be some type of transformation. There has to be some type of cleansing and transformation that moves us from this point to this point. And that's what the concept of regeneration comes in. It's a transformation that the Holy Spirit does by quickening in us. And that's an old school word, quickening. Takes us from the spiritual dead to spiritually alive. Man hated God. The Holy Spirit comes. Now gives us the opportunity to love God. We were opposed to Christ. We hated the gospel. We don't understand. The Bible says that the gospel can't be understood by uh, uh, the flesh. It's, it's, it's craziness to us. It's foolishness to us. But the Holy Spirit in that regeneration puts us in a position where now I can understand these things. Now I can be a new creature in Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul says that we were made alive with God. We were made alive with him. And it has to do with some uh, intimate union. Uh, um, and we saw that in, 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 in Ephesians all the time, in him, with him. I think about the concept of a Siamese twins. Anybody seen some Siamese twins? You see those conjoined twins. Is that the right phrase? Conjoined twins. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're actually connected. And so you have two people that whatever happened in birth, that they grow, but their bodies are connected to each other. I've seen a couple of documentaries on it. But when you look at that concept of with or join or intimate union, wherever that one person goes, the other person got to go. Whatever situation that one person in, the other person's in that same situation. Why? Because they're joined. They're unified together. They are one in union. And what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, he said, we are made alive with him. And so we were once spiritually dead, but we're made alive with Christ. And that with him has to do as an idea of an intimate union. Now we're joined to him. And so we live as if I'm connected with Jesus. We used to do this skit. I think I told you all before. We used to do this skit back in the end of church where, uh, stand up real quick, Jaden, where uh, uh, one person would play Jesus. Y'all remember that? I don't know if y'all did this again. One person played Jesus. And so uh, once we get saved, like the Holy Spirit or Jesus is with you every way, so y'all join together. And so wherever I go, I go. And so we had a guy going to like a party. Baptist church, so parties were of the devil. So, you know, go to a party and you'll be in there and partying and Jesus is right there with you. 
and it's like, oh, man, I can't party. Jesus is here. And then you go out with some friends, and everybody's drinking. And you start drinking, and you be like, ha, oh, I, I, I can't. I can't. Jesus is here. Or then you go off, and somebody wants to steal some stuff, and you try to steal something. Oh, I can't do it. Jesus is here. And the whole skit was at the end of the skit, and this was terrible. And in the skit, what the person would do was, like, unhook their arm for Jesus and say, Jesus, you have to stay here. I got some bad stuff I want to do. And they would go do bad things. I don't know why we did that skit. It should have ended on a happy note. <laughs> That's an option. I yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, that probably wasn't a good skit to do. <laughs> that probably wasn't a good skit. We should have revamped that. But the idea is that once we are made alive, that term with him means that that regeneration that the Holy Spirit does, I am now joined with Christ in an intimate union. So literally, because of I'm joined with Christ, now my actions, my attitudes, my thoughts should resemble the fact that I am intimately joined with Christ. And that's what salvation does. Paul said we are made alive with him. And so one way to verify or to check whether you are saved or not, according to scriptures, is to see my choices and my decisions and my attitude and the words that come out of my mouth and the places that I go and the things that I say and the things that I think, are they conducive to someone who's being, who is intimately attached with Jesus? Because that quickening, that making alive, that regeneration done by the Holy Spirit is a transformation from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And it's with God. And now my heart beat. It's God's heartbeat. It's Jesus' heartbeat. Thanks to the Holy Spirit. And so now my thoughts should be thoughts that look like I'm intimately connected. Where I go should be places that look like I'm intimately connected. What I say should be things that resemble the fact that I'm intimately connected because of this regeneration that takes place. What's interesting uh, 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 is this, is that regeneration in the scripture is the concept of a a one-time thing. It's a one time. It's an instantaneous thing. And there's a lot of debate as to when regeneration happens. We'll get into that a little later. Not today. But there's this concept. Okay, when does regeneration happen? Is it a situation where the Holy Spirit comes and transforms me from dead to alive? And now that I'm spiritually alive, I can now have faith and then believe and then get saved. Or is it a situation where I first have faith. And now that I have faith, the Holy Spirit say, okay, now who's got faith? I'm regenerate him, and now I transform from spiritually dead to spiritual life, and then I go on to salvation. And we'll get into that a little later. But the scripture clearly teaches that there is a transformation that must take place, that has to take place when it comes to salvation. But that regeneration and the concept is a one-time event. It's an instantaneous event. It's done by the Holy Spirit. Bam! Holy Spirit does it, does regeneration. I go from then this position, spiritually dead, to spirit alive. The other important thing about this is what happens after that. Okay, we're talking about salvation. We're talking about salvation is more than just I said this prayer, I go to church, I sing a couple of songs, I read my Bible from time to time. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. And we know that the scripture says there's going to be a lot of people who say, Lord, Lord, I thought I was saved. And God's like, nope, you never were. And so as the body of Christ, I want to make sure that we understand what the concepts of salvation are and then take this and look at our lives and say, okay, is my life reflecting this? Is my life reflecting that one day God elected me before the foundation of time and I'm living my life like that? Is my life reflecting that I'm regenerated? Meaning that 
I was dead in my trespasses and sin, but the Holy Spirit came and gave me life. And now I have life. I'm spiritually alive now, intimately connected with God, spiritually beating with his heartbeat, spiritual blood running through my veins. And so now I'm acting like moving, like talking, like thinking like I am spiritually alive. That's what salvation has to do with those things. But the results of the regeneration are back in Titus chapter three. So flip back to Titus chapter three. The same verse, verse five. He saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration. So we have that. There's washing regeneration, an instantaneous one time event. Bam. I'm went from spiritually dead. Now I'm spiritually alive. And here's the onus. Here's the part that's on us. The renewal by the Holy Spirit. So you have two different words there. You have regeneration. We talked about that word there, polygenesis. that had to do with being born again. But then we have this other word and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. That word renewal has the idea of to cause something to become new. So we have two, two cases here. There's a regeneration and then there's a renewal. The regeneration we talked about is a one-time event where I go from spiritually dead, Holy Spirit comes, bam, now I'm spiritually alive. The, also an act done by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm, I'm passive in that. I don't, I, this is the Holy Spirit comes to this. Some, some scholars call it a secret, meaning that I don't even know when it's taking place. It's just the Holy Spirit takes me and he quickens me. So I go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. But the renewal part, that's a whole different word. That word has to do with the being made new Again, And the cool thing about it is to be made new again and the new that you made is superior or better than what you was. Right. So it's about a bettering type deal. Uh, uh, so the new birth, which is regeneration, it happens in the past. But the renewal that Paul talks about here takes place daily. So we have a regeneration where I was spiritually dead. Boom. Now I'm spiritually alive. I'm intimately connected with Christ. Now my heart is his heart. Okay, now I'm here. But after that, it doesn't just stop. Now that I'm spiritually alive, Paul says that there needs to be a renewal by the Holy Spirit. That is a continual, daily, every day, every minute, every second, continually made new, make new, making new, making new. It's a gradual restoration. And so though those words are closely bound together, Washing of regeneration and renewal of the spirit, there's some difference. So I wrote this down. So regeneration is a free act by God's mercy and power. So he regenerates us. He removes the sinner from the kingdom of darkness to the places him in the kingdom of light. It's an act that takes us from spiritually dead, like Paul said in Ephesians, to spiritually life. You have been washed. You have been washed by regeneration. You must be born again. That must have happened. The act itself is passive, so that means that it's someone doing it to me. So it's the Holy Spirit regenerating me, making me from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Just as, and this is where the, the connection comes, just as in childbirth. When you were born, you had no choice, no decision in the matter. It wasn't, you know what, I'm sitting here in my mom's womb, and I think, you know what, I'm not going to be born. I'm just going to chill here. I'm not going to do nothing. I, I like it better in here. It's cool. It's cozy. It's comfortable. It's dark. It's quiet. I'm just going to stay here. No. The baby doesn't have a choice. The baby has no act, no choice. The baby is passive in that concept. Okay? 
the birth of the baby from the womb of the mother to life. The baby is passive in that. And so when we look at regeneration, it's kind of like that. It's an act of childbirth. Jesus, that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. You must be born again. And so it's like coming from the womb, being here in some place, and you can go get spiritual. It's just dark in the womb. It's cold in the womb. You know, you can get all into that. For go from that spiritually dark, spiritually place to being born. Now I'm in the world. Now I'm in the environment. Baby comes out. The eyes open up. They start screaming because first they're shocked. They know what's going on. They're instantly hungry. What's happening? Their lungs are now expanding. This is new now. From spiritually, from being in the womb to now out in the world. That's the concept that the Bible uses when it talks about being born again. So spiritually, I was in some place, and then some outside force, the Holy Spirit, came and transformed me, and now I am born again. Okay? Now I'm in the world. But once I'm in the world, still talking about birth, what happened to a baby? So take a look at my Sarah. Once my Sarah was born, okay, I'm born. Now I'm just going to sit here. And mama tried to feed her some milk. Nope, don't want that. Okay, let me wash you. Nope, don't wash me. And say, so, okay, no, we're going to wrap you up so you'll be warm. Nope, take these covers off. I'd rather be all out and open. What happens after birth, now the baby has some responsibility on themselves to be able to grow. When the mother or the father feeds the baby, the baby has to partake of what's fed, has to swallow the milk. When the mom and daddy wrap the baby up, the baby has to stay wrapped up. When the mom and daddy comb the baby or clean the baby, the baby has to receive or allow to be clean. I mean, you can fight all day, but in the end, I'm going to win because I'm the daddy. The situation is that when we're talking about this word renewing, this renewing is a gradual conforming of that person to the spiritual life. So I've already been born. I've been transformed. Now I'm spiritually alive. I'm out the womb, per se. I'm spiritually alive. But now there has to be some renewing. There has to be some gradual growing that now I partake in. Okay? I have to swallow the milk when it's put in my mouth, baby. You see what I'm saying? I have, those are things I have to do. So spiritually, now that I'm out the womb, I've been born again. I can't just sit there and be like, I'm born. I'm just going to sit here and I hope something happens. No. There's an onus on us as the body of Christ to gradually grow. So this renewing has the idea of conforming that person to this new spiritual world. So just like the baby was in the womb and then the baby is in this new physical world, it's got to adapt to, baby has to open his eyes. Just can't keep your eyes closed. Baby has to open his eyes and then the eyes have to start dilating and adjusting to the light. The, the lungs have to breathe. The baby has to figure out, okay, this air. Okay, in order, okay, I got to do this. So the lungs now have to start working for that baby to be alive. Same thing spiritually. We have to, there's an onus on us, there's a responsibility of us to gradually go. We went from spiritually dead in the death world, now we're in this spiritual life world. Now in this new world of spiritual life, there are things that I have to do to grow, to function, to act right, to live, to be able to mature in the spiritual world. That restoration, and what am I growing for? Just like a child, you're trying to take my Sarah from a little baby, infant, all the way to a grown woman who loves God, who's fully functional. She can walk, she can talk, she can think, she can act, she can, uh, she's, she's uh, what's the word? She's, she's a benefit in the, in the environment that she's in. She's great to work with, all these kind of things. Spiritually, that's where we need to go. 
We need to go from being that infant. Now I'm, oh, I've, I've regenerated. Now I'm in the spiritual world. But we can't stay there as a baby, as an infant. We have to gradually grow. And what am I going for? The Bible says we're trying to get back to the divine nature of Christ. That's where I'm heading for. I'm heading for to be like my Christ. I want to be the image of Christ. Okay? We had that. We were created in God's image. In, the, in, in Adam and Eve, we were created in the image of God. And then sin came and death came and all that stuff happened for us. And we fell from grace. We call it the fall. And so now I'm spiritually regenerated. Now it's time for me to be renewed every day. A gradual spirit change. This process is not passive. Though regeneration is passive, the renewal isn't passive. I've got to do something. And the point is, if I am not renewing myself daily, I am not growing, I am not functioning, and I'm just this newborn baby laying naked somewhere, eyes closed in the world, in the spiritual world. I have responsibility to do that. The act of spiritual growth, of renewing myself, and Paul says in Romans chapter 12, uh, uh, verse 1, don't conform any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's something that I need to constantly do. Transform myself by the renewing of my mind. That way I can acclimate, become more acclimated, to use that word, in the spiritual world that I'm in. And so that's the question today. We're talking about salvation. Salvation has to do with all these things. It's not just a, I said a prayer, I'm saying I'm good to go. No, but the question is, have you been regenerated? Have you been from spiritually dead to spiritually alive? There's some folks who think they're saved who haven't not saved because there's been no regeneration. Then the question becomes, well, how about your renewing? Are you renewing yourself daily? What are the things that we do to renew ourselves? Well, first, this book right here. Paul says, by renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? How do we make our way pure? By studying the word of God. By looking at the doctrine. What does God's word say? How do I be more like Christ? What do I need to do? Studying this word, feeding ourselves the word of God, just like that baby needs to be fed, we need to feed ourselves. We talk about what fellowship. We talk about worshiping God. We're talking about what are you doing? What do I do? What am, how does my life show that I have an intimate connection with God, with Jesus Christ? The new life is his life. Second uh, 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 Peter, y'all don't have to turn there, but in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Peter talks about this new nature or this new life that we have in Christ. And he says in verse 3, but his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse 4, by these he has given us great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's telling me, the scripture is telling me that I can share in the divine nature of Jesus Christ. I can share in the divine nature of the creator of the universe. I can share in the same divine nature as God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. Why? Because of the new life. Because of regeneration into this new birth, this new life that I've given is God's life. And because I'm partakers of that, now something should happen. Something should show. I was reading this guy named John Ryland, and he talked about the three R's. We were ruined by sin. We, were, we received redemption by Jesus Christ and regeneration by the Holy Spirit. I thought that was cool. 
um, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul, again, is talking about, we're talking about the washing of regeneration. We're talking about being born again. We're talking about renewing ourselves. In Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17, Paul pretty much lays out how we should be based on this new life that we have. Galatians 5, 15, but if you bite and devour, that doesn't even sound right. Is that it? Yeah, verse, verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want to. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And he gets into those things. What are the works of the flesh? Sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. It's funny how anger always pops in this. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Then, of course, in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, those of us who have been regenerated from spiritually dead to spiritually alive, those of us who have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, those of us, because of that regeneration, how do we live? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control against these uh, there is no law. We know that we're becoming more like God or more like Christ when our attitude towards sin reflects his attitude towards sin. And that's basically what it's about. The regeneration portion of, scripture, uh, of salvation has to do with that washing. And you look at a portion of scripture, it's talking about that washing is through the word of God. But it's when I go from a spiritual dead state <laughs> to a spiritually alive state. It's done by the Holy Spirit, and it sparks me, just like a newborn baby, now it sparks me to the renewal part. What am I doing every day to make sure I'm more like Christ? So I challenge you to think about yourself. Think about your actions. Think about, okay, what am I doing today so I won't be that naked baby, cold, hungry, laying on the floor, spiritually? What am I doing today? Am I challenging myself? Am I reading the scripture? Am I telling someone about Christ? Am I making sure that my decisions, the words that come out of my mouth, show that I am intimately locked with Jesus? Am I making sure that the thoughts that I have are thoughts such that it shows that I am intimately related to Jesus? Those are the things that have to do with regeneration. And like I said, there's some other things we'll get into a little later, but I just want to do a quick introduction to what generation was and to challenge myself and to challenge us to live that way. Once I know I'm from spiritual life to spiritually dead, now to do that renewing part of uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your regeneration power, God. We thank you, God, how the Holy Spirit in, in just crazy, amazing power takes us that we're spiritually dead and makes us spiritually alive, God. And I pray, God, that because of our state, those of us who have received you, those of us who have faith in you, those of us who believe in you, God, those who accept you as our Savior, God, that we would live a life that shows that, yes, Olu has been regenerated. Olu is now a regenerated person, and Olu is showing that by the renewing that he does every day through your word, through your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that each and every one of us will live a life that the world will see, so we'll know, so our family will see, that we are intimately joined, like Siamese twins, intimately joined with Jesus Christ, and that our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes resemble that, God. We love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right.